Hey, Josie. Hi, Mel. <laughs> um, it's pants off Thursday today. Well, have you got a button fly or a zip fly? No, mine's a zip fly. Because I undid my top button like you. Yeah. But then my gut actually Oh, yeah, pushed, it's pushing. Mine's it doing it right out now. And my zip went entirely all the way down. <laughs> and I'm facing the door, the glass door. Undies out. You know what? I'll undo my top. Yeah. Yeah, go. it's not really pants off. It's more buttons undone. Buttons Thursday. undone, and now I've unknotted my large band tee to sit over my gut, so mm. no one can see. To protect the zip. I look very professional now. I feel like we should make buttons undone Thursday like the mm. precursor to pants off Friday. Would it's you like know, you're starting to get your pants off. Well, in my old house, when I first moved to Sydney, I had pants off Thursday, and I made that a thing because I lived with two people that worked in retail. So they were never home on a Thursday. Oh, amazing. So they would get home after 9pm. But I would race home from work and take my pants off straight away and just sit on the lounge with no pants on. There's, not, there's no better feeling, I don't think. Can I just clarify for our British listeners that pants are not undies? No. We're not talking about being completely commando with our butt, no, buttholes like jeans on the lounge. Off. Just jeans. <laughs> buttholes on the lounge. Remember in Sex and the City when yeah. he's oh, his butthole no. everywhere? This is like... In my old share houses, I was always the one that put down the rule of like, no one have sex on the couch. Mm -hmm. The couch is a sacred space. Yeah, it should do not, be. Do not have a nice little freak freak time while everyone's out on the couch. It's not okay. And then one of my old housemates was like, psych, I totally did it and you didn't know. <gasps> I know. Gross. So you were just sitting around in their sex Sitting on people's energy. butthole energy. Yeah. I don't want to sit on your butthole That's energy. disgusting. Anyway, so yes, it's, it zips down, zips are down. buttons off. Um, because we were talking before about how you put your jeans on in the morning. I don't know if this is a guy problem as well. Let us know Probably in the group not or on Instagram. Life is sexist that way. Yeah, life is just sexist. Mm. But yeah. we put our jeans on in the morning, and then by three p.m., it's like I've grown a size. Yes, a full size. It's not possible. Like they're cutting off my circulation by three yeah. p.m. In the morning, I'm like. Damn, I look great yes. in these jeans. They're tight in a flattering way. Mm -hmm. By the end of the day, I look like a Christmas ham. Yes. It's not, not like a trust ham. Trust. A, a well trust ham. Yeah. It's just not, it's not attractive. And then I feel self conscious. Mm -hmm. And it's like as soon as I look at a food or beverage item, I don't eat it. Yeah. I just look at it. Yeah. I bloat half a size bigger than I was yeah. when I woke up. I hate it. I like my morning body. I know. I don't. I just don't understand how one single tiny Easter egg does this to me. I don't either. It's not fair. Anyway, you said you had a um, zesty aside for me. Well, I wanted to talk. We've already touched on it. Okay. But I wanted to bring this to our listeners about the fucking guy in the car park downstairs. Oh, my God. Yes. And it just sits we in have a, car. We have a mystery unraveling at our work. I'm fascinated. I think I'm going to ask him. So, basically... We come out into a car park to like go and get coffee or food or leave for the day. Yeah, any time of the day. I use that entrance. I don't use the front street entrance. Yep. I use the car park one. And there's this black car with a man in it at all times. Yeah. Sitting in the driver's seat. But it's not even like a cool car it's like not, you said yesterday. Yeah. So you were like, oh, maybe someone has a private driver. But yeah. then our powers of deduction were like, but it's just like, no offense if you have a Toyota Camry, but it's... A Toyota Camry, it's not yeah, like... it's not the car that you have when you're a private driver. Yes, if you're rich enough to have a driver, then you want a driver that has a fucking Mercedes yeah. or something. Yeah, um, But I've got a new theory mm -hmm. that he's an undercover cop. <gasps> mm. 
stakeout. Ooh. And that's why it has a Toyota Camry. It just seems really suspicious to park your Toyota Camry all day. Yeah. <laughs> in the very front of a car park while spot. you're in it. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a very good undercover cop. <laughs> maybe he's just like a really, like, maybe it's like his first undercover op and he's sort of like he a bit green. Do. doesn't 100% know what he's doing. And he's sort of like, oh, damn, like, I've got to have to sit in the street, but I don't want to get a parking fine. So I'll just, it's this weird, it's not even a park, it's this weird little area that he's yeah. just, like, reversed his <laughs> bum of his car into, and he just sits there all day. It just looks really unnatural. I don't understand, and it's been happening for a couple of weeks, um, or at least a week, I think I've noticed him. Another theory, mm. is he, like, federal police? Because they're across the road. Are they? Yes. Oh. The federal police buildings across okay. the road this, from here. This is more, it's coming together maybe because I remember once I went to pick up a friend of mine um, and like I had to stop on this main road and the only place I could stop was this driveway into like a sort of weird compound, but it was like quite a long driveway. So I sort of thought I'll pull in a little and then I'll be sweet. Like mm. I'll just wait here. And there was a federal police car, but it just looked empty. Right. And I just pulled in behind it. And as soon as I stopped the car, the dude was, like, (gasps) out. And, like, he didn't say anything to me. He just, like, got out of the car with purpose and sort of walked around the car. It was, like, kind of almost, like, big dick energy. Like, hey, I'm here. Like, don't try and fucking do anything. Because I'm fucking here. Yeah. Um, And it was very intimidating. So. Was he sexy? It was a bit sexy, but I think it was that kind of sexy, like, when someone is a cop. And they're mildly attractive. like, And it gives them extra points. Like yeah. if someone has an accent, it yeah. makes them hotter. Like one of my friends the other day, she was like, um, oh, there's this hot cop downstairs from work. And she's like, I don't know if he's like hot necessarily, but he just looks really capable. Mm. And it's this kind of like the hotness of someone that looks capable. Like when someone fixes something on your car and you're yeah. like, mm, Well, they often carry useful. a table for you. Yeah. The usefulness of men yeah. occasionally. And w- women, I'm sure. I should ask lesbian friends of mine if a woman is more attractive when they can do shit for you. Because maybe it's just a universal yeah. hotness of any gender. It's just being capable. Mm. Like it's hot when people can do shit. Mm. I reckon it is. I'm going to find out. Do straight men find women that mm. can do shit attractive? Or are they intimidated and do they feel emasculated when a woman can just get shit done. I feel like shit men would feel emasculated (laughs) (laughs) and then good men and cool men would be like, that's hot. Yeah. How did we get onto this? Oh, we're talking about the AFP guy. Oh, yes. (laughs) So that was my other theory. Maybe it was AFP related because it's across the road. There's also something in this building involving forensic something. (gasps) I don't know what. I've forgotten. I'll have to go look. I'm sorry. Why have we not visited that level yet? I don't. There is... Like, this is a government building that they've now leased out to people. We are finding the forensics level. Yeah, and just stumbling in. A little caper. With our coffees. Yeah. Like, oh, whoops. We'll just be like, whoopsie, we're new. It would work a lot better if we were a bit old. Yeah. And we wore lots of cardigan twin sets. I think yeah. it would be more believable that we just wandered in. Yeah, not like tripping in with our spell dresses. and. Yeah. Like and jeans on. <laughs> but I'm like, done. Um, you look too capable. Yeah. Get out. Get out of here. With you. <laughs> um, so I'm determined to get to the bottom of it. I think I'm just going to ask him one day. Mm. Just straight up. Walk up to I his face. I feel like I'm within my rights as someone that works here and has to walk past his creepy yes. car to be like, excuse me, hun, what are you doing here? You know? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And then he might say, I'm sorry, it's a top secret operation. 
And in that case, I'll update In that everyone. case, you'll just start drooling <laughs> with excitement. <laughs> Speaking of excitement, did you see? I sent our work chat my jury duty. Oh, my God, fuck off. I did not see this. 30-week trial. Yes. Do you get to do <laughs> it? I'm like, is it Chris Dawson? <laughs> <laughs> is it Chris Dawson? <laughs> um. I don't, I don't think I can do 30 weeks. Yeah. You can go and say, please give me a shorter one. But basically, you can't. It's really hard to get out of it now. Yeah. You can't just have a, like we tried with one of our writers, David. He got called up. Mm. We did him a letter on like pedestrian letterhead and said, no, he has to work. And they said, denied. So Whoa. he has to do it. When's his? July. So they, they let him kind of fob it off till a few months. So yeah. we could kind of cover him. Mm-hmm. But... Basically, it's oh my God, really. It's all I wanted. It's really, I know I've wanted it for so long. Julian opened the letterbox last night. He's like, "What does the sheriff want with you?" And it was honestly like it was my Hogwarts letter. Mm. I like dropped everything I was carrying. Like I, I had all this stuff in my hands, and I'm like, "Hold <laughs> this! Take take this!" And it was all like bag straps, and he didn't know what he was taking. I was like, "So I'm like, oh my god, it's here!" And he's like, "What? What is it? Like like my jury duty?" Because they give me notice I was on the roll. Yes, so yes. I thought it might be coming. Thirty weeks. So frothing. good. It could be Chris Dawson. And you know what is funny? Yeah. I'm like the one person that hasn't listened to Teacher's Pet. I'd literally be like, I have no idea about this case. Oh, like, my God. This is – and what a miracle because you're like, I've listened to every fucking true every, crime except everything. this one. Well, don't listen to it. Yeah, I won't. You don't want to get, like, yeah. denied the opportunity to, to watch yeah. him go through trial. I know. And maybe go to jail. But then Matt on our team made the point that as soon as they find out I host – co-host, sorry mm-hmm. – true crime podcast they'll be like please leave oh yeah totally in fact I wonder if you'll even get to do jury duty exactly. now exactly I don't think I will so but I was very excited oh that's my, my exciting I'm crime jealous. news of the week I'm a bit jealous um well, yeah because Kate's done it your sister. yes like, she got to do a really cool one I know it's so unfair I would love one of those ones where they have to like put you in like a hotel room but then I watched the People vs. O.J. Simpson, mm. and then that made me never want to go on one where you I had to go in a hotel room. I haven't watched that yet. I want to. So the only thing, I won't tell you anything about it, but the jury that they had because of the way the media yes, was like. they had to be like. They locked them up, basically. Yeah, so they had like no contact really with the outside world for like months. And then it got from the, went from being like, ooh, we're up in a hotel. Ooh, yeah, fancy. that would get old very fast. Yeah, and also it was one of those horrible 90s, like, peach-coloured yeah, marble Yeah, it wasn't even, like, wasn't like, like nice. the Beverly Hills And they would have hotel. taken their TVs away. Yeah, they didn't have, I don't think they had shit. It was just kind of like, how many weird relationships do you reckon formed in that time? Like, I think that it would just be, like, the ultimate of one of those... You know those bubbles, like when you worked in retail and you were in the retail bubble, and then there was like the hot retail person. Yeah. But they weren't actually hot. It's just hot. that you worked with them all the time. It was just contextually they were hot. Yeah. In comparison, imagine all the contextual relationships that would have formed. A hundred percent. I hope some of them got married. What if that happens to me? What if I'm in a okay, fucking what? hotel room for three? No, months? I don't even think they do that anymore. Okay. I'm Like I don't even know. That was like the nineties. Let's just. <laughs> Pretend now. I don't want to form a contextual relationship with someone. I love that you've decided it has to happen. I'm like, Julian, I'm sorry, I'm going to cheat on you with this contextual man. I don't know who he is. In this scenario that hasn't happened hasn't and probably happened, won't happen. But I'm just warning you, I may accidentally fall in love with another juror. I'm sorry. It's not my fault. It happened in the 90s, so it's going to happen to me. I just, it just might happen. We don't even know if it happened in the 90s. I just made that up. I so don't even know. I have to fucking rock up on the 7th of May. Oh, my God, that's like, which is a good segue, only a few days after our 
live, live show. show. <laughs> um, our live show is the 3rd of May. Yes. Um, tickets are selling fast. So if you're thinking about maybe coming, I'd suggest buying one i'd suggest definitely coming frankly yeah like why Um, are we tossing this up yeah and if you're like my shit friends who are gonna wait to the last fucking minute to buy tickets i fucking do it now so you don't miss out yeah because it's only a really small venue yeah it's not like we're not like going oh my god we're selling out of like ten thousand tickets it's not a massive venue so (laughs) it actually could sell out yeah (laughs) um so it's happening at giant dwarf in redfern yep in sydney sorry to non-sydney punters yes but we will try and get to you eventually. Yes. The whole point of doing it here is to test the waters, see how it goes. So if you're a Sydney person and you've got, you know that there's fans in Melbourne, do the nice thing. The police oh, are coming. The police They're are coming. They're fucking arrest you. <laughs> They're coming right now to arrest you. That's our federal agent from downstairs. Yep. He, that's what he was doing. He was waiting for me to give him the go-ahead to arrest you all. Um, do the right thing. Buy tickets. Because then hopefully we'll get to go to Melbourne. Yeah. Because this one did so well. Now the motorbike guy's starting up. Oh, That's a motorbike God. police. Yes. He's coming to get you too. So the what motorbike police. Now it sounds like That's the, the motorbike police. The building is going to fall down. Maybe we've got one of those buildings like that one at the Olympic Park yeah, that's that cracking cracks. through the middle. <laughs> Fuck that. That's noise. So I literally fuck that noise. <laughs> that I can't. Noise. I don't that. want to hear that noise. That story fucked me up. I hate apartment blocks for that reason. Me too. Am I <laughs> putting, <laughs> putting our hand up like, <laughs> like we're in school? I just wanted to tell you I have one more show related thing. Oh, yes. To cover before because I can see you've got your paper, your research. <laughs> fucking you're ready. Fucking keen to get this one out there. <laughs> I just wanted to say. There's some people who are nervous to come because yes. they come, they're, they're the only people they know that listen to all Aussie Mystery Hour, which is rude, frankly. Your friends should listen to it and support your hobbies. I know. My friend Bree came to Hawaii. Our momager. To see <laughs> my favourite murder with me. She had no fucking idea what it was. Loved it. Anyway, an aside, don't be nervous to come by yourself. Because no. there's actually a whole crew of people all going by themselves that are going to meet up beforehand and sit together and you won't be Have an a idol, no friends. No way. And we're like mad friendly. You can come up to we're us. We're friendly. We'll, we'll talk to you. It's going to be really fun and you can totally come by yourself and yep. no one will judge you. I'll make my sister hang out with you. I'll make <laughs> everyone that is coming hang out with you. I'll make all my friends hang out with you. We can force people to do whatever. Yeah. It's our fucking show. So definitely come even if you're yep. flying solo. So head to giantdwarf.com.au. Yep. And grab your tickies. They're only 20 bucks. 20, 20 bucks is nothing. nothing. See that water bottle? That yes. metal water bottle. It was $45. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's but two also, tickets to it's see Aussie Mystery Hour plus sell, $5 for a wine. <laughs> sell your insulated water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got two tickets right there. Yeah. Um, also, I lose 20 bucks regularly. Mm-hmm. I've lost many $20 notes. Mm-hmm. So think about all those $20 notes you've lost. And this will at least you'll get like one laugh. You're guaranteed at least one laugh. Yeah. I've got a few jokes prepared. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, Josie said she's been practicing in the shower. I've been practicing in the shower. She's getting ready. I'm ready to rock your worlds. Also, the person having a meeting next door is very loud. (laughs) But awkwardly, guys, it's our big boss. Yeah, we we can't can't tell him to shut up. be quiet. (laughs) Normally, we go out there and we're like, shut the fuck up. But But we we can't can't do that. Because we get fired. But that's Okay. A little bit of background noise. Yeah. Is you, you don't expect this to be a professional show, guys. No. We're not here 
for the slick, dulcet tones of Casey, are we? No. No. Like I say every episode. (laughs) We're not case file. Fucking case file. (laughs) (laughs) So the point being a bit all over the place, a bit yes, skewy, hear bit how's your father, but doesn't matter. We're having okay. fun. Am I drunk? Yes. Yes. Absolutely I am. We absolutely have disguised wine in mugs. Yeah, we're back on the terps, baby. And pretended that it's lemon and ginger tea. Mm-hmm. I even blew on it for effect. Give yeah. me that gold logie, bitch. I know. <laughs> lemon and ginger tea every afternoon. You know what? The funny thing is I fucking hate lemon and ginger tea. Um, I know you I do. can't even say it. <laughs> um, anyway, Josie, um, yeah. aside from the tickets to the show, $20, giant, whoa, what all the motorbikes that? are coming. <laughs> Every time I mention it, the motorbikes start up to come and to fuck come with and you. To arrest you all because you haven't bought tickets. That's the Hells Angels. That's Charlie Hunnam and Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy. Is it? I'm jumping out the window. I know. <laughs> and onto take that me, bike. Take me. <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm all zesty and toey. Whoopsie. <laughs> anyway, the point being is all of the Sons of Anarchy yeah. are coming now to your door if you mm-hmm. haven't bought a ticket to, like, And not in a sexy it. way. In no. A, they'll shoot you away. They're not coming to take their shirts off and have their way with you. Mm. They're coming to fuck you up if you don't buy a ticket. Have you seen the website Buns of Anarchy? No, but I need to It's now. just gifts of Charlie Hunnam's butt. Yes. Buns of Anarchy. Yes. I'll put it in the group. Like that person. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that person's like on their motorbike. I'm going to the nearest computer to look at this website. <laughs> um, whoever made that's doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Beautiful work. But anyway, the other things to tell you is really that we have the group, All Aussie Mystery Hour on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Come in there. We're chatting in there all the time. Yep. Instagram, All Aussie Mystery Hour. Yeah. And Twitter, Mystery underscore Hour. And Twitter is like our unwanted child that yeah. we just have because we were forced to. Like but... when you have one of each gender. Yeah. And then you have another one. And then one. you have another one just to like save your marriage or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the band-aid baby that the didn't work baby. and then you're like ugh it's just the same gender as one of the others and why did we no have interest or excitement no <laughs> offense to anyone if that was you or if you like twitter oh yeah <laughs> either or um but anyway enough blabbering on because mm-hmm. uh we've well, we've got as much time as we want because we've never restricted ourselves ever. So now we're, now it's all of the mystery hour. Are you going to get a nice, concise hour or is it going to go Last over? Last week was like an hour and 20 yeah. minutes. As it should be. <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. I, I'm here all night, baby. <laughs> this is all I do. <laughs> true crime forever. Um, mine's actually not a... Well, it could be a true crime story. It's one you guys have requested many times. Mm-hmm. And originally we weren't going to do it I actually sassed people and said stop asking yes, if they're gonna do it you did and then i looked into it and i was like there is some bones here and now i have egg on my face and now josie's <laughs> sitting here with some egg i put an egg on her face <laughs> cracked on, it on my for skull. you guys yeah egg i freezer adding her because she deserved it frankly mm-hmm. because there was some weight to what you guys were saying i'm doing hanging rock yay as in picnic and hanging rock yay um it's a fun little zesty story. So I'm going to go through my credits first, as we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got three articles that I reference, aside from our trusted Wikipedia, which we know and love forever. Oh. Sorry, Wikipedia is great. That literally carried me through the Tasmanian Tiger. I know. <laughs> if I was a teacher, I'd let kids like credit Wikipedia. Like, fuck it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Anyway, P.S. Did you, when you're in school, have like a physical encyclopedia and you yes. had to like look up shit? I'm a Jewian years old. Yes, what? I did. What was that? That was weird. <laughs> like, oh, better go to the library, check out the M yeah. to M to M like Mc, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. volume. 
Yeah, and you're like <laughs> flicking like chunks of page across. Yeah. There were those thin like Bible pages. Yes. Ugh, hell on earth. Anyway, Wikipedia is great. Aside from Wikipedia, there's a Vice article from 2017 written by Amy Spears. There's a Stella magazine article from April 2017 by Louise Edward. And there's a Sydney Morning Herald article from January 2007 by Andrew Stevens. But I wrote Anne Frew, and I just think that's a great name. Anne Frew. Anne Frew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call him Anne Frew. Um, Andrew, I'm so sorry if you wanted to be an Andrew, but now you're an Anne Frew. You are. It's just how it is. Also, thanks for listening, Anne Frew. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Anne Frew. <laughs> uh, so... Let's get some geological, ge- geographical, geological. and geological, <laughs> geographical facts. Geomel. Geomel's here. So we're in Victoria. Yeah. We're a few kilometres north of Mount Macedon and we're sort of northwest of Melbourne. So Melbourne's like not all the way at the bottom of Victoria, but you're pretty close and you're sort of to the right side, mm-hmm. but you're not all the way to no. the right. You're yeah. sort of right Like right leaning, of centre. Right leaning. Yeah. Sort of. And um, and then if you go up from Victoria, is very small it is as a small. state. And so if you go north an hour and you sort of go northwest, you'd be where Hanging Rock is. Uh, if that helps, that was a pretty decent. Mm. That wasn't my worst job. I didn't uh, say the fat I, bit ever. So no, I know exactly where I am. Great. Um, and <coughs> the actual <laughs> sorry. <coughs> so Hanging Rock is actually a mammalon. What's that? It's a stupid name is what it is. I literally wrote, which is a stupid name. Uh, It is French for nipple. (gasps) It is, I wrote, the great nipple of Victoria. The great nipple. Mamelon. (laughs) Mamelon. The great nipple of Victoria. We found it. Uh, It was, it's 6.25 million years old, which is pretty sick. That's an old nipple. Yeah, it's an old nipple. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's actually created, so mammalons are created by the eruption of this, like, thick, stiff lava, which I think is really funny to call stiff lava in conjunction with nipples. Like, yeah. it's all very sexual it's up in here like, right now. Yeah, like... It's like the earth had a bit of sex. Mother and, earth and, mm, like, yeah. Had a bit of like lava sex. Lava, like, ejaculating all over <laughs> nipples. That's literally basically what happens. <laughs> because, because this lava, like, shoots out. <laughs> Through like a narrow vent in the bedrock. Oh, I know vents. Like it's all very Ooh. sexual, um, and then it congeals around the vent, so it like builds a nipple. Basically, congeals, congeals. is where the sexual intrigue ends, and that's the end. That's bit. not a sexual word. That's the bit when no one's cleaned up. <laughs> it's not good now. <laughs> so yeah, so create this little mountain that looks like a nipple. Mm-hmm. So yep. why? Geologists are weird. I don't know. I don't even think they're geologists. Whatever, lavaologists, mm-hmm. volcanologists. That sounds right, actually. Volcanologists. Mm. Anyway, it doesn't look like a nipple now, sadly. Ah. It's sort of like a whole bunch of... It almost looks like a, a gathering of rocks. Like, they're all these tall kind of, um, like, round-topped rocks together. Mm-hmm. And there's heaps of bush and trees on it. So it's quite an imposing sight. So I've been. Mm. This is probably where I'll segue into the fact that I've actually been there. Um and it's beautiful and it's worth going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, it does have a bit of a creepy, eerie vibe. I, To be fair, Victoria's weather, like I went in winter and the weather is quite overcast and stuff. So that probably lent to it as well. But it definitely has a spiritual vibe 
to it, which makes sense because actually there were three different Aboriginal groups that used to live near the rock formation and use it for a whole bunch of serious ceremonies and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So the, I'm going to fuck this up, but I'm going to give it a go. The Jia Jia Wurrung, the Woi Wurrung and the Torn Gurung would gather at Hanging Rock for men's ceremony. Um, and the actual traditional occupants of the area, they lived around there for 26,000 years until we came in and fucked it up. Oh, which is just We love to do that. Like, the, I guess even doing this podcast, the more I do these stories, the more I realise just how fucking long Aboriginal peoples lived here before we came in. And mm. then we just, like, ruined shit. Like, you were talking about last week with all the diseases and yes. shit that we brought in. Yeah. Just way to fuck up a really nice country, white people. So uh, there's actually a producer, Jason Tamaru, who is from the Yungbalug people mm-hmm. of Australia. He did a sort of a, it's like kind of like a, mm, how do I put it? Like just an article, I suppose, for Malthouse Theatre. Um, and he said, quote, this is a place where big business was held, corroborees, initiation ceremonies, songline ceremonies, trade and relationship building, and a place where laws were pu- made and passed. Wow. So it was quite an important place. Like- um, like the political centre of Yeah, of that area. kind of area, yeah. Um, and there's no um, – the oral and written history of what it was called traditionally is gone, but the closest people have gotten is Analong, which is – because that was written on a rock by a white guy and they reckon he he spelled it with an A, but mm-hmm. the way it's spelled is N-G-A-N-N-E-L-O-N-G and they think that he just heard it and wrote it right. phonetically. Okay. Um, it's not confirmed though. That's just like the closest they've come to finding the name of what it was traditionally called. Anyway, it's got a really, really shitty history. Basically, when invasion happened, most of the Aborigines living around that area died of smallpox and other introduced diseases. <sighs> and then whoever was left was for, were forcibly removed in 1863 and taken to Corandirk Aboriginal Reserve in Healesville. And Healesville's like on the whole other side of where Melbourne is. So it's like, it's not like they took them and went, oh, you can like stay in this yeah. area, which is still shitty. Yeah. But at least still on their land. It's like. Them. Let's put you on an entirely different land that has nothing to do with you or any connection to you. And that's massive Australian, like, historical shitness. Yeah. Displacing people. Yeah. And so it's it's got this really shitty Aboriginal history to it. And so there's there's actually kind of a campaign that Amy Spears, who wrote the Vice article, she started it up called Miranda Must Go. So there's, there's this kind of movement against focusing on picnic and hanging rock when talking about hanging rock because for a long time there really wasn't even apparently any Aboriginal history at the information centre at Hanging Rock, which I've been to but I can't remember much about. So she's kind of like, let's bring this history to light and talk about it more, which I agree with. Yes, I agree with 100%. Because it does feel really important when you go there. It feels like a place that has a spiritual Mm. history and that's me as a white chick saying that. I can't even imagine. I read somewhere and I can't, I won't say for sure where it was. I think it was that someone was saying in an article that a bunch of Indigenous people from the Northern Territory visited and said that they felt that the spiritual power was similar to Uluru. Right. So okay. it's like an Uluru yeah. was really important yeah. to the Aboriginal groups that lived around it. So, yeah. So anyway, there's not a lot more 
to know about the Aboriginal history yet, but hopefully mm. eventually there is. Well, it would help if they hadn't just taken all the Indigenous peoples from the area and moved them it would possibly be away. So much better if they hadn't done just that. Just a thought. Just a just thought. Just a thought, guys. Old white men with yeah. bayonets. Just maybe don't need, you don't need everything all the time. I just don't understand the enti- the fucking entitlement yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we're here now, so everybody else. Yes. People, Tasmanian tigers. Yeah. Everything must go. Yeah, it's really fucked because they didn't, no one really lived there. Like, basically, a lot of development happened around the rock. It became a recreational space. So they made like a fucking horse racing track there and like a big picnic area and, and all this shit. Yeah. So it's just very like, fuck off. Mm. Now we're just going to make this like a cool, fun play area, which is bullshit. They do concerts there. Yes, so they do. That Bruce was the other thing I was going to say. Bruce, yeah. yeah, I was like, if Josie doesn't bring up Bruce Springsteen, it'll be yeah. Like, oh, One of my why. friends went, who listens to the podcast actually, Jess. She went to see him there, mm. and I was a bit jealous. But I was already going to five hundred other shows of his. Yeah, but a few people have played there. He's played there twice. Yeah, Midnight Oil have. Yeah. I think Rolling Stones were meant to, and then it was around the time when Mick Jagger's partner died, oh, and then he right. got throat, yeah. a throat infection. So there was like a. Like that wasn't a good time in Mick Jagger's life. Mm-mm. But in terms of picnic and hanging rock, which I will mm-hmm. talk a lot about, but I just, like, there is actually more information about that. That's kind of the limit of how much information we right. have about the Indigenous history of hanging rock. So picnic and hanging rock, for those who didn't know, because I thought that I knew everything about this story and I did not, okay. um, it's a it's a inverted commas historical fiction novel by Mm -hmm. Joan Lindsay, written in 1967, set in 1900. And so it follows a group of Australian girls from a boarding school, Apple Yard College, who go on a picnic to Hanging Rock on Valentine's Day. And so at first they just eat lunch and like lie around in the grass and have Mm. like an idyllic time in their white dresses. Long white dresses with the high necks. Yeah, yeah, very iconic. Then Miranda decides to climb the rock with her friends Edith, Irma and Marion and their maths teacher Greta McGraw, which is the most fake name I can ever think of. That's a bullshit name. That's not real. Follows behind. But while Edith watches, the three girls vanish before her eyes. Whoa. Yeah. So then Edith runs back to the group Mm -hmm. and is disoriented, has no memory of what happened. Miss McGraw has also disappeared, and the group searches for the three, the two, three girls, the three girls, three girls, and the teacher. Yes, because Edith's back. Yeah, um, they search. No luck. Several organised searches are then coordinated once news spreads to nearby towns. There's all these rumours of like rape and abduction and murder that begin swirling. Not one trace of the girls or the teacher are found, and the school and its students just start to deal with the loss. Then it's sort of like everyone connected to the school becomes cursed. So some guy called Mike Fitzhubert, I don't, I, I didn't actually Fitzhubert. read. Fitzhubert. Fitzhubert. Yes. <laughs> Fitzhubert. There's a lot of names that aren't real in here. It's like she's just gone, mm, Fitzhubert. Yes. Yeah, I'll put those fancy. two words together and yes. make a name. Greta McGraw. So like I didn't read the book, obviously, right now. I've read a summary of the book. And so mm. I don't know who the fuck this guy is, but he's got some connection to them because he goes searching. And he finds Irma unconscious and almost dead, but he doesn't actually return. And then later another search goes out for him and they find him in a daze sitting on a rock with Irma. So parents are like now freaking out. They start taking their kids out of the school. And then a junior governess, Dora Lumley, leaves with her brother Reg, but they die in a hotel fire. Cursed. Cursed, 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 cursed. Then Sarah, Miranda's bestie, who wasn't allowed to go on the trip because she was being a little shit at school, Mm -hmm. she disappears Um, They later find her body directly beneath the school's tower with her head, quote, crushed beyond recognition. (gasps) So it's like implied that she died by suicide. 
And then Mrs. Appleyard, who's the school's headmistress, kills herself by jumping off hanging rock. So it's like this really bleak story. <laughs> I've, I've seen it. I've never read it. Yeah, see, I saw it, but it was a million years ago. Yeah, so I didn't even remember school. all these ins and outs. I just remember the girls disappeared. Yeah, they showed it to us at school. I'm like, now I never want to go on another excursion. I know. I don't care if it's a fucking park across the road. I'm not going. <laughs> never going. I'm scared. Do not make me go anywhere besides the school grounds. But yeah, it's like a really bleak story. It's so bleak. So why do people think it's real? Because it's a story. It's a novel. Right. So there were these historical bits that Joan Lindsay put at the beginning and the end, and it's all very, like, Blair Witchy. Like, you know how Blair Witch, the film, has that, like, this story is based on events that happened in this thing, but it yes. was, like, the way that you would start a... Doco. Doco or a biopic. So she has this historical segment at the end that is taken inverted commas from a 1913 Melbourne newspaper article that says both the college and the Woodend police station where records of the investigation were kept were destroyed by a bushfire in the summer of 1901 and then in 1903 rabbit hunters came across a lone piece of frilled calico on the rock believed to have been part of the dress of the governess Miss Greta McCraw but neither she nor the girls were ever found and that's not real right there's no evidence of this like article that this is taken from it just it's like in a movie where they hire like a real newsreader yes to appear doing a news report like about the avengers or whatever yeah exactly i keep bringing up the avengers but they'll have like an actual american news anchor who just like reads the line yeah that's like oh it looks like it's really happening yeah exactly it's that vibe um and she also had a foreword that said quote whether picnic at Hanging Rock is fact or fiction, my readers must decide for themselves. As the fateful picnic took place in the year 1900 and all the characters who appear in this book are long since dead, it hardly seems important, which is very ominous and kind of... But also, dear Joan Lindsay, it kind of is important. Yeah, Foz, she's a thousand percent clickbaiting this story. Oh, she was the clickbaitiest <laughs> whopper ever. It's not important. Well, it kind of is. And then the other thing is, I think that for a long time, because the story ended kind of very vaguely and nothing was really resolved, mm. I think that lent yes. to people the realness. Yes, people hate that. People hate, people hate an open-ended movie story. But I love it. Like, one of my favouritest movies, romance movies, that mm. I've watched way too many times, like 20 times minimum, is the Kira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, yeah. And I reckon 100% the reason I've watched it so many times is because at the end, they, like, almost kiss, yes. but they don't kiss. Yeah. You never see them fucking kiss. Yeah. I remember at school, this, yeah. like, so what, do they get together? And it's like, well, children, that's for you to explore in your essay. And we're like, we don't fucking care. We don't want to see them patch. We yeah. want the closure. Yeah. Because it leads up to it. It does. But then it's like, because there's no closure, yes. I want to watch it again yeah. and again and again. Yeah. So there was that kind of thing that I think everyone just went, like, crazy over. Yeah. Um, But in 1987, there was an omitted final chapter, allegedly, that was published called The Secret of Hanging Rock. And I say allegedly because it was published after Joan Lindsay died. Who published it? Well, it's kind of like they did. Didn't they do this to Harper Lee? Either that or she has, like, dementia or something and they published something and it was kind of like, did she actually approve this or not? Oh. Um, it was a second book to um, to Kill a Mockingbird. But I don't know who specifically published it, but her editor, Sandra Forbes, talked about it, so possibly her. Sandra. Um, Sandra. You enterprising bitch. You. <laughs> Sandra, you enterprising bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she said the original draft had the chapter that explained the disappearances mm-hmm. and in this chapter basically either it's running back to the picnic while Miranda, Irma and Marion continue 
Um, then they become dizzy and they feel like they're being, inverted commas, pulled from the inside out. A woman in her underwear then appears shouting through before fainting and the woman's never mentioned by name and seems to be a stranger to the girls, but the narration implies that it's Miss McCraw. Miranda loosens this woman's corset to revive her and then all the girls take off their corsets and like throw them off the rock. The woman then points out that the corset's hanging midair like they're stuck in time and they don't cast shadows. The girls then discover this like crack, like a fissure in the rock that they call a hole in space and they enter the space and then when Miss McCraw goes through, she becomes a crab. A crab. A crab, yeah. And then when Irma's turn comes, the rock tilts and she can't get in. And so the chapter ends with her, quote, tearing and beating at the gritty face on the boulder with her bare hands. So it's like, I feel like if that chapter was part of the original book, potentially people would be like, oh, okay, this is fiction. Yeah. Like, you know, the <laughs> mystery's go gone. Yeah. We know what happened to them. They've gone into this weird dimension. You know, like dimensions are not as believable. No. So the other thing that I think fueled it all was that Lindsay herself was like quite weird about it. So yes. She said she was like deliberately. She oh, was being a hype man. She That's was. She, she was, was her own hype man, <laughs> and she was definitely clickbaity as fuck. Yeah. She basically says the story came to her in a dream, and her housekeeper has like done interviews since and said that events came to her in future successive ones. So it's like the whole book's plot came in successive, successive dreams. Dream. Okay. She wrote this in the 60s. Yeah. I don't mean to cast any aspersions, but mm-hmm. she was absolutely on acid. One almost, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say 100%, but I'm going to say there is a definite potential mm-hmm. that she was either a massive stoner, yes. she was the bong injector of the century, she... or she was on the, on the acid. So much acid. She was, she was injecting acid. She was smoking the acids. <laughs> she was smoking up all the acid. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and she would also refuse to clarify in interviews if it was real or fiction. Oh, please. I you know. know. This reminds me of mm. when Ryan Gosling yes. and Michelle Williams were yes. in Blue Valentine. Yes. And they were never dating, I don't think. No. But they, and then also it was an indie movie, so I don't know why they were like, doing this mm-hmm. like it's not like they needed it to be a box office hit yeah. necessarily but people would ask them if they were dating and they were like really evasive and like just like it's kind of like Gaga and Bradley have been playing it up yeah here. it's very like it's it's, it's the book version of that it is of just being like oh maybe it's true yeah it's very <laughs> much like support the like mythical element by yeah. like talking all this shit in interviews um, but also some of the locations were based, so obviously Hanging Rock is real, mm-hmm. but also Apple Yard College was based to a big extent on Clyde Girls Grammar School in East St Kilda, which is where Joan Lindsay went to school. Um, right. And then it actually did get moved to Mount Macedon. So it's kind of like she borrowed because it was based on that school. Then there was that element where people were like, oh, but the school exists. It's right here. It's just yes. not called Apple Yard yeah. College because nothing's fucking called Apple Yard College because <laughs> it's the worst name for a school ever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but it's generally can widely considered to be fiction. There's no actual evidence of girls going missing at the rock that is, like, 100% confirmed. Right. Um, but I'll get to that later. Mm. Um, but she also told you're Peter, now hyping your job. I'm Lindsay hyping. I'm the hype. Your man. own episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she also told the creative consultant on that first film by Peter Weir mm. that she had quote an experience on Hanging Rock when she was a very young girl and that it had profoundly affected her. So yeah, she was definitely her own hype man. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but also some weird shit happened when they made the film. So the <sighs> co-producer, Patricia Lovell, reported, this is the first film, Yeah. quote, all our watches seem to be playing up. Mine stopped at 6 p.m. on the rock. To ask the time became quite a joke. And time is like this big sort of, um, I guess she uses it through the book as a sort of device to... It, they, they actually say that the reason time became such a thing in the book was to fuel that last chapter about, like, the suspension oh, of time and right. these, like, portals into space and all this shit. Okay. But then because that was dropped out, it just became they this They were like, weird... Joan, you've injected way too many yeah. songs. We're, <laughs> we're not make, putting this we're chapter cutting in. this out. <laughs> um, um, but some people think there was a real story. So writer Janelle McCulloch... McCulloch? McCulloch. 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 So easy. I don't know why I got really stuck there. (laughs) Writer Janelle McCulloch told Louise Edward from Stella Magazine that she tracked down an ex-student of Clyde Girls Grammar in London, which was 100 years old. I was going to say this bitch would have been. Oh, 100. (laughs) Old. (laughs) Who said, quote, we all knew about the girls who disappeared, but none of us really knew the details, which is interesting. I'll stop but being also a hype she's man, you silly old bat. <laughs> <laughs> like, do we take the words of a hundred-year-old woman in London as fact? Anyway. I don't think so. Um, you, you're the sceptic here. Stop being so sceptical of the Hanging Rock story. Um, she also says that Lindsay's great-grandfather was a police magistrate in the area, so McCulloch believes that's where she would have heard the story. So potentially, the whole thing is like potentially that. Joan Lindsay got this story from her great-grandfather that it mm-hmm. actually did happen, mm-hmm. that some girls disappeared, that they don't know what happened to them, and that she then used it as a story but then potentially wasn't allowed to, I guess, say exactly that it was true, you know, because maybe it was covered up. I don't fucking know. Or maybe she wasn't 100% sure if her granddad was telling the truth and it was just some kind of... yeah. Well, I guess that's what Story all those inspired, that told, yeah, and those you know. inspired by true event stories. That's kind of how you have to play them. Yeah. Like you can't say for sure. But so this Janelle McCulloch then turned to online archives and said that she found a police gazette distributed to Victorian police stations at the time that detailed a couple of missing girls in the late 1800s. She says their age and description matched the novel. Then she said her and her friend kept digging and came across the names of two men. And she came to this conclusion, quote, my own feeling is that two girls were abducted. I honestly believe these two men did it. And I have reasons for believing this, but I don't have concrete evidence. The men knew they were going to be there. The girls were possibly hidden in one of the bottomless crevices of the rock. So I tried to go into the online archives because it's like you can find them on that Trove Trove. site that I'm obsessed with. Trove's amazing. Trove's so amazing, but I couldn't get access to the police gazettes. You have to actually be in Melbourne and you can go online in the library down there. Right. So if anyone feels like going and having a real hunt for us to find this. Murder squad, this yeah, like crowdsource your investigation, yeah. Because I really wanted to, I was like, Oh, well, if she found them on online archives, I'll find it. And then went, Yeah, she she must have gone there mm. if this is true because that's the only person that has said this. Like, there's no one else that's been right. like, Oh, these police gazettes, you know, but potentially she was just the first person to bother. Like, yeah. we don't know. So, maybe everyone else was happy to suspend their disbelief, yeah, and be like, Oh, is it real? Is it not? Yeah, I will just go with it, yeah. But she was like, I'm getting to the bottom of this. She's like, I'm going to fucking murder squad this shit. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I think people 
you know, kind of use in the defense of, no, this is probably real, is that people get really weird about the area mm-hmm. around Hanging Rock. And like, and like I said, it was kind of, it did have kind of a weird energy to it. Like it did have a sort of, I wouldn't say a heavy energy, just kind of like a eerie. strong energy. Have you been to Port Arthur? I have. Port Arthur has an eerie energy. Yeah. I felt like Hanging Rock more had like a, like you felt like you needed to be reverent. It was kind of, I oh, I right. feel like it was similar to Uluru in that feeling. Okay. But it's hard with these places because when you know the history of them, mm. how much of your feeling is attributed to you exactly. knowing things. I definitely versus... felt like that at the 9-11 memorial. Mm. This like my probably only comparison. Yeah. And I get annoyed when people, like I remember going to Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And I'm like, Julian, let me take a photo of you near Pearl Harbor. And he smiled. And I'm like, don't smile. He's yeah, like, like, why? A serious it's a moment. tourist shot. I'm like, it's Pearl Harbor. Like, people died here. Yeah. And I told someone and then they showed me a photo of a girl they knew that they didn't like who was smiling outside Auschwitz. No, that's Dull no. Face. That's the line. That's so the line. that kind of vibe where you just feel very respectful. Yeah. I mean, and like, like quiet and you're not going to be like. Yes. Like definitely like you should be respectful of the place and be quiet and like something that shit me at Uluru was that people were just like blah, 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 on the walking yeah. track and shit. And it's like, dude, like, it's amazing that we're even allowed to just walk around yes. here and that, like, yeah. the, the people that this place really matters to in a spiritual sense have allowed that. Yeah, and you're here like, oh, my God, I told Reg. Yeah. If you don't yeah. change those tyres. But I was telling my dad about that and he was like, I think a lot of people just don't know mm. things about the history of places mm-hmm. or, like, if they're tourists from overseas, they don't even understand the concept that we have of how yes. spiritual the land yeah. was to Indigenous people back in the day and now as well, actually. But anyway, the point being, it didn't have, like, a creepy feeling to me. It just had a very strong energy. Right. And I'm not, like, an energies person, really, but it definitely felt, I don't know, if you've been, come into the group mm. or on Instagram and let us know how you felt because I, I think there'd be people that would agree with me on that fact. Yeah. But basically, I found this website called vinemedium.com, and I was trying to find the psychic. It's run by a psychic, but I was trying to find her name, and I think her (laughs) name actually is Vine. Right. That explains it. Yes. But then I don't understand, like, if it's actually definitely her name or if she's calling the the people that run the thing Vine, like, Vine, the website, or if her name is Vine. But we're just going to go with her name being Vine. So Vine, Mm. inverted commas, says she went on a trip, a road trip to Hanging Rock and she visited Braemar College, which is what Clyde Girls School turned into. So basically when they moved from St Kilda, they moved to the Mount Macedon area. They changed their name at some point. Yes. Anyway, it was the she, same building. Same building. Well, same, yeah, like the school continued in that space. Yeah. And Vine said she had a vision in, in the car park that the car park was a playground and she saw girls in school tunics from the early 19th century. And then she says that her vision looked like this photo that she has on the website that I'll put in the group of these girls in the 1920s, like doing like calisthenics. You know, like calisthenics. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. Anyway, um, but the, the thing with that, though, that is a bit like, is that when Joan Lindsay went to school there, that was when it was in Melbourne. And this is, like, when they moved the school to the Mount Macedon area, that was, like, five years after she graduated. So it's kind of like, what is that about? Yeah. And, like, if it was 1920s girls, then maybe she was just having a vision of 
girls from yes. decades later. And to be fair, exercise. she wasn't. Yeah, and she doesn't actually say like, "I know that Pitney Cane Rock is real because I had these visions." She's just mm. saying she had visions. Anyway, then she gets to Straws Lane in Woodend, which is like a town kind of in that area, and it's actually an anti-gravity hill, which is one of those weird oh, yeah. hills where it feels like you're going backwards when you're going mm. up or whatever. I'm obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that there she felt a dark force. She said, oh. quote, there's a ley line here and it is radiating dark energy. Um, and so a ley line is basically when like multiple, I think, look, I'm probably going to fuck this up, but it's like when multiple physical objects are yes. in a line, yeah, a, like a literal line. And then it's like, there's no actual like scientific evidence that that does anything to yes, power or but energy. It's a bit of a, like supernatural thing yeah, that people yeah, talk about. Yeah. So the ley line there ran from ma- the Mount Macedon area to Hanging Rock. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so she, fe- she felt like the area had this dark energy. But then also in the Sydney Morning Herald article from 2007 that I mentioned, um, Andrew Stevens, Andrew, Andrew <laughs> Stevens, sorry, interviewed a longtime park ranger from the area called Guido Begolan. Mm-hmm. And he says that people keep sending bits of Hanging Rock back to him because they feel like they're <gasps> cursed. Well, this way you don't take fucking yes. pieces of the fucking environment. Yeah, don't do it. Um, so apparently a woman from Ireland sent her piece back because, quote, it only caused her misery and told him the specific spot to return it to. Oh, my God. That's yeah, and he on. said heaps of people talk about getting bad vibes there. Um, that once an Irish girl got lost and called her father in Ireland on her mobile, which in turn called, like, then her father called triple zero in Australia. So she was right. panicking, yeah. doesn't know who to call. Um, the police called Guido on his day off and he went and found the girl going round in circles on this part of the rock called the saddle and she was, like, scared out of her wits, which, look, could just be that she was fucking panicking yeah. and going round in circles because she was panicking, but also might be a weird spiritual yeah, like a weird kind of limbo she was in. Yeah. Maybe she found the portal to hell or whatever it is. But, yeah, that's basically the story of Hanging Rock. Yes. Do you think the book has any basis in reality? I know that you don't. Look, at first I thought <laughs> Joan was just, because we've seen people do it with relationships on movies or, like, yeah. you know, where they're just, like, wanting more publicity. And yeah. it was a book, so it's just the book version of that, yeah. you know. But I do believe in, like, the mystical qualities of the area like if people but then I think how much of it is that effect of like you know that it's weird and things have Mm. happened there especially if you go there and an interesting thing about Port Arthur actually is that there is only a very tiny part that is dedicated to the victims of Martin Bryant's massacre Mm. most of it is all convict history yes and I remember the first time I went there the tour guide was an older guy and he was like yep something happened here People were killed. I've mentioned it now. I'm happy for you to come up and ask me if you have a question about it, but I'm not going to focus on that yeah. here. Yeah. We're going to talk about the other history of the area. Yeah. And it's like they've kind of, not in a disrespectful way to those victims, but they don't want that to be yeah. the story of the area. Well, if anything, that feels more respectful to the victims. Yeah. Because it's not making People them... gawking. And, yeah, it's not making them... And replaced the whole structure where it yeah. happened and everything. But it's like, because Hanging Rock, they don't have because they force the Indigenous people away, they don't have all that history of it. Yeah. 
then it's, you know, this vice writer is like, we need to stop making it about the book. Yes. Because people go there with these preconceived notions of it. Yeah. So maybe then they convince themselves that these rocks are cursed and that yes. they're scared. That they, you, you went there and you said it had a strong energy, but other people might go and say, oh, it's scary here. Yes. And, oh, I'm lost and now I'm fucking terrified because yes. I read the book and yes. someone falls into a hole and becomes a crab. Yeah. So I don't know how much of it is we've built it up in our heads to yeah. be really mystical. Well, then, but then that's the thing because then I feel like either way that you go, the story, inverted commas, is saying that it's a mystical place because yes. even if you do follow, okay, well, let's go with the, you know, the story of the Aboriginal peoples of the mm. area, they felt it had yeah. spiritual significance. So I think even then if you remove bits of it, you are likely, I remember, probably, so. Yeah, well, you know, you know, people used to take bits of Uluru. Oh, my God. And, yeah, and they probably also got fucking Which cursed. is outrageous. So I can't even imagine doing that. I know. But people, yeah, it's, Uluru is sort of a weird one because it, for so long it mm. was like, Air's Rock, this fun, cool little rock in the middle of yeah. the country until we started being a bit more, like, woke and we're yeah. like, oh, shit, actually it had, like, a lot of spiritual meaning yeah, to these people. Yeah, bits off it, fuck with. Why do people feel the need to, like... <laughs> ship things off things like when I went to Wembley Stadium yeah my friend Brianna who listens to the podcast hi Brianna she took a bit of grass home for her <laughs> brother who's a big soccer fan we actually went to see One Direction but she's like oh there's a bit of grass through the plastic that yeah. they put down yeah. she's like I'm gonna take that for grant you will like this she put it in her phone case but at least grass grows back like. I know but it's that whole thing of she could have got that grass from outside yeah, Grant's yeah. house and been like, this is from Wembley Stadium. And he would have been like, oh, my God, wow. But <laughs> yeah. she actually got it from there. Yeah, no, I get it. Home. I get it, I suppose. I think I'll just, pick up rocks sometimes yeah. in places that I am. Yeah. I've got a rock in my bag that makes me laugh every time mm. I find it in there. It was when I went to Tassie with Julian and we were driving along and listening to this fucking lit soundtrack. Yeah. It was so good. And, uh, sorry, playlist, not soundtrack. It was all 70s rock. And then, like, people were looking at us funny and we are yeah. driving to this hike and people were looking at us funny and then, like, the song ended and we could hear this horrendous sound oh. coming from the car. It was like a rental car. Yeah. And then we are like, oh, it sounds weird. Went on the hike, started the car again. People were staring at us again. It was this awful whining sound. Yeah. And we are like, fuck, we're not going to get our money back. Like, because yeah. we'd taken it, like to Bruni Island where oh, you're not supposed right, to right, right, right. drive. And so we're like, fuck, what's happened here? We got out and like investigating. There's a tiny little rock in the like um, the wheel. So not the tire, oh, but the right. wheel part. And we had to get a stick and like do this whole operation thing and get it out. And it was this tiny rock was making this huge sound and it just <laughs> made me laugh so much that I kept it. And now every time... <laughs> I go, what's that sharp little thing in my bag? I'm like, like this <laughs> little bastard. And it just reminds the wheel me rock. of something funny. Yeah, that's cute. So I cute. totally get people. It's like a souvenir. Yeah, I get it totally. And then, But then it's just like there's souvenirs and then there's like. Then there's desecrating sacred property. Yeah. Land. And just generally things yeah. that people, other people might like to see at yes. some point in time. Yeah. And if you all chip a bit of it off, you're not going to have it there'll anymore. be nothing. Very interesting. I thought it was very interesting. I think Joan Lindsay is a bloody bong injecting old bat but kind of a genius i'm kind of into it like I'm, it's I'm i now want to read the how book. like zesty she is because i didn't realize it was so spicy like i thought yeah. it was more just like and they disappeared yeah. but it's like did and you watch the foxtel series no i really wanted to but i didn't have the foxtel thing right yeah i didn't watch it because it just looked like a bunch of people 
mincing around in white dresses. Yeah. And then that chick from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Looking severe the whole time. Yeah. It's just not my vibe. I'm more into like murder. <laughs> I'm just like more into murder. Like it's a bit too dreamy looking. For well, it's me. very apparently Virgin Suicides yes, borrowed a lot. I was going to say it's very Virgin Suicides. Apparently they borrowed a lot from the Peter Weir film. Yeah. So apparently that film kind of did set kind of a mood precedent oh, yeah. of that like he's an amazing seventies um, white dresses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was a huge hit. Um, but I, anyway. I reckon that's why she fucking added that chapter because in the 70s the movie came out and there was heaps of hype. Yeah. And like, quick, let's put this bong injector chapter in. Yeah, it's, it's the 70s now. Well, it's actually high. it was in the 80s, but yes, probably in the 70s they started talking about it. Who yeah. knows? Um, but, yeah, that's uh, Hanging Rock, guys. Fascinating, Mel. Thank you. If you've been, hit us up in the group. Yep. If you're not in the group... Just shout it into the void. Just just yell through your <laughs> stereo right now. Or you could come to the live show and tell us in person. You just totally saying. could. May the 3rd. Mark your diaries. 7.30 p.m. 6.30. Bar opens. Yep. Bar opens. Josie and Mel are there. We're there. Whoffing the alcohols. Yep. Maybe not before the show. We might be too nervous to talk to anyone. Yeah. I Definitely after secret, the show. Secret backstage wine. Yeah. I'm not talking to anyone. I'll vomit projectile. Into their face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on that note, bye. Bye.